because you play an instrument and because you sing or because you do a certain thing, understand this. You'll never know where God's going to put you. You'll never know how God will use you. But understand this also now, because this is a vital principle. Is it you doing it in your own knowledge and strength? Or is it God using you with the power of the Holy Spirit to sing and to play and do what you're doing for his glory? That you're just not doing it through your own strength, your own knowledge. But you have surrendered all that over to who? Yes. And you're saying to him, it's all yours, Lord. And watch and see what God will do with you. With you. By all rights, Gus Brown should not be standing here. A young man who stuttered most of his life. A young man who didn't do any better than maybe C's and D's in school. God put him through school, through college, allowed me to preach in India, Colombia, Ecuador, all rights, I shouldn't be here. But when you surrender your life to God, there's no telling where he will take you or how he will use you. Amen? Father, we want to thank you and praise you, O God, that you truly do make yourself real in our lives. As we learn to trust in thee and to obey you and to surrender to you, and not just use you as a showcase, but to really allow you, Lord, to put us in places that we would have never thought or believed that we would be. And Lord, as we sung this morning, you will provide. And there's times, Lord, we don't know how that is possible or where it's going to come from. All we know, Lord, is that you will provide as we surrender and serve you. Help us, O oh God, to be a people who not just quote the scriptures, we walk by faith, but we would be a people who practice walking by faith, believing you, trusting you, knowing that there's nothing too hard for you to do, Knowing that, Lord, you can give favor. Knowing, Lord, you can open doors. You have the right to close doors. Knowing, Lord, that you can put us among people, oh God, that we would have never even thought about being among. But because of thee, the one we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are your servants,
you use us for thy glory. Help us, O God, to trust, to believe, and to relax and rest in you. Knowing what you have said, you will also do it. Speak to our hearts that we might be assured that, Lord, it's you, not just our imaginations running away with us, not just some wild thought that we have that somehow we're just wishing, 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 but that we know that we have a sure hope in Jesus Christ and his word. Minister to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Well, we're going to have one of those impassibilities facing us pretty soon. And uh, oftentimes the question is, how? Well, we've been talking about a new floor for over a year. And um, Roscoe called me. He said, Pastor, you know that place we went to to look at flooring? Uh they got a 50% sale. Well, come to find out, it's not a 50% sale. It's a 15-cent off sale. And went out and looked at another church and the floor that they did for them. And Roger and I met with this individual, the owner of the company, the other day. He's, uh, he's a born-again Christian, loves the Lord, um, as he shared with us, he tried to do the best he can for churches. But we're still going to be somewhere between twenty-four to $28,000 to do this complete floor. Now, how's that going to happen? I don't know. First, I'm praying that, Lord, would you be gracious to us? So we're waiting to hear back from him with what the number is going to be. Now, after I hear the number, guess who I'm coming to? <laughs> uh, I'm praying, Lord, use them. Use every one of them. <laughs> you know. And if we can do it, we're going to try to do it sometime during this winter month. We hope we can have it done before Easter. But the first thing we have to do is basically raise the money for that stuff. And you remember, two years ago, there were certain things we wrote down in our annual meeting. Well, we put the new roof on. We're putting money aside for the future pastor. We're doing that. And the third thing was this flooring. And now it's come time to really focus on the floor. You see a lot of tape on the floor on the other side. So... We're going to have to work at it and be in prayer about it. 
But would you start praying about it now? Would you start praying, Lord, how would you want to use me in this? And would you start praying that the Lord touch the owner's heart about really giving us favor or in our language, a real break <laughs> to help us to be able to do it. Because he's going to give us a price of just doing half the floor because this side of the floor is not as bad as that side. But if we're going to do it, preferably, like just do the whole thing one time. And uh, before we do that, a couple of deaconesses, we're going to go out and look at the church and trustees. Elders, we're going to go out and look at a church where they have done an excellent job. And the pastor told me he was well pleased with it, the workmanship, everything about it. And then we got to pick the color that we want to use. And, and it's a floor that only thing you got to do is damp mop it. You don't have to wax it. Don't have to strip it. Don't have to do a lot of maintenance to it. And uh, he pretty much guaranteed it lasts for 30 years with no problem which most of us won't be here in 30 years. But um, it's something that we have to begin to really look at how we're going to go about doing it. Amen? So let's just thank the Lord right now for it. Father, this is one of these things that, Lord, that as we measure it and we look at it, our question is how? And all we can do, Lord, is what the word tells us. Look unto the hills which cometh thy help. All we can do is call upon you. And all we can do is ask that you move upon the hearts of your people. That, Lord, that we might meet this present need. Knowing that, Lord, you will use each and every one of us in your own way in doing so. So, Lord, uh, help us to be wise in the decision-making and help us, Lord, to trust in thee that if this is the contractor we are to use, and he had no problem talking about his faith and what he believes. So, Lord, you make it very clear to us that this is the one. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we're going to pick up just a little bit where we left off last week, and we're talking about what causes these problems sometimes and how we think. And remember what James 1 talks about. A double-minded man will do what? Receive nothing from the Lord. Because a double-minded man hasn't planted his feet. He hasn't said, this is where I stand. He hasn't said, this is who I trust. He hasn't made up his mind if he's going to go to the left or to the right. He's just a double-minded, confused, depressed, frustrated individual. And part of that comes in with what we were talking about last week in Isaiah chapter 5. And we're going to pick up there just before we go to Psalms. Because we're in that time and we're in that era where we find ourselves 
all confused on how we think. Even among Christians today, we have a double thinking about something. Uh, we don't want to argue with people. Uh, we don't want to embarrass people, or we don't want to be embarrassed, or, or we don't want to say what we really believe. And at some point, we got to be individuals who are willing to take a stand and simply says, I believe that's wrong. Not so much that the person is wrong, but the ideal or the thinking or the value is wrong. For most of us hear that about homosexuality or we hear that someone in our family is just shacking up or living with somebody, when they're around, we try not to what? Speak to those things. And, and sometimes I don't have to be the first one to bring it up. But when it comes up, I'm the one who needs to be able to set the right tone. You as a believer need to be able to say, you may have the freedom to do this, but is it right? And if it is right, it's a right according to who? Because most people will argue that they have a right. Well, who has given you that right? Who's given you that privilege? Who is it that says is right or wrong? And from that, often we will argue, well, everybody's doing it, so that makes it right. Because everybody's doing it does not make it right. Because we love each other, doesn't make it right. What is really showing you really don't love each other because with love comes a high, high respect that you will not in any way, and this is what happens that people do not recognize, you hurt the conscience. When a woman or a man sleep with each other without, before marriage and then get married, it's always in the conscience, they did this with me, will they do it with what? somebody else. It's always up there questioning. If you would do the wrong thing with me, would you do the wrong thing with somebody else? And that's what causes that double-mindedness. That's what causes that, that marriage can't really solidify. It can't really become concrete. It cannot stand because of that double-mindedness that is there. And the question may be, well, Pastor, how do we get rid of that? It's called forgiveness. It's called confession. It's called talking to the Lord to get things right. And that's why we're going to see two things in Psalm 62, that we talk with God and we confess with God, we pour our hearts out to God. And then we're going to understand that God is loving, merciful, forgiving, based on how we perform and what we do. But in our double-mindedness, 
we're constantly battling the issue of what's right and what's wrong. So again, in Isaiah chapter 5, the first word in that verse 20 is woe. And whenever you see the word woe, it's like a warning. Stop and really think about this now. Woe. Slow it up. And he says, woe to those who call evil good. Really think about it. If you're doing the wrong thing and you're calling it good, when you're battling with the conscience up here, knowing it's wrong, but you're trying to make yourself believe that it's what? It's good. Who are you really deceiving? Who are you really trying to trick? Who are you really trying to convince? And he says, to those who call evil good and good evil. And that's where we're at today. We, we, get, we got all these morals and all these values all mixed up. And we're calling some things that are bad today good. And they're not. See, one of the worst things parents do is this. Tell their children what not to do, but then they wind up doing it. And it causes confusion to the child. Is it bad or is it good? Mom and dad said, don't do this. It's bad. But guess who's doing it? That's confusion for the child. There's nothing wrong with saying to a child, there'll come a time you'll be able to do this. You don't send a child out to work on a 40-hour job when they're 10 years old. But guess what? There's going to come a time they're going to be able to do that. You don't send a 12, 14-year-old out, okay, it's time for you to leave. You go buy your own home. No, there comes a time for that. And we have to be able to balance that which is wrong and that which is good. And we have to be able to choose which one. And he says, woe to those as a warning that you're getting ready to step into a pit. You're on a slippery slope. Because you're calling something evil good when it's really not. And you're calling that which is good wrong when it's really not. You're the one that is really putting yourself in jeopardy. Now, go with me to Psalms 19.7. Reminding what we read also in Second Peter about sinful desires. Because your sinful desires will hurt you. You're free to do whatever you want to do. But sinful desires will scar the soul, damage the soul, hurt the soul. 
And how does the soul recover? Many people are suffering because of their past. And understand again what Paul says, forgetting what is behind me. But how many of us really practice that or do that? And it's hard to forget a painful or hurtful event. It scars. And it seems like it's always there. Remember talking to a person one time and they're telling me what happened and this and that. And, and finally I stopped. I said, you know, that is very painful and hurtful. I can understand why you're responding in such a way. But then my next question was this. When did this happen? This happened over 30 years ago. And they're still remembering it like it happened yesterday. Not knowing how to heal themselves. See, we can go to all types of psychiatrists. We can get all kind of counseling. We can even deceive ourselves by thinking, okay, I'm away from that person. I won't have nothing else to do with that person. And I deny myself certain things or pleasures because if that person's there, I won't be there. And the question comes, how do I bring healing to myself? Go to Psalm 197 with me. Look where it starts at. The law of the Lord is what? It's perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Starting with God's word is the process of healing or restoring. Because God's word is perfect. Man's word is imperfect. I don't care what pastors say, what elders say, our words, in a sense, are imperfect. Unless they are the words of God, all the wise counseling is imperfect compared to God's wisdom and knowledge. And he says the law of God is perfect. Now, Catch the second part of this. Reviving the soul. Reviving the soul. Reviving something is quickening something. It's restoring something. It's awakening something. And the Hebrew word here means to repair. To repair. And what he's talking about is repairing the soul within us. Dealing with that hurt, dealing with that pain, dealing with that agony, dealing with whatever it was that really causes you not to really be the person that God has ordained you to be. And you have to understand, that's Satan's work. Satan desires 
to hurt you in such a way that you'll never be the woman or man that God intended for you to be. Because you're dealing with this thing. And what God wants to do through his word is bring healing to the soul. Through his word, he wants to refresh the soul. And he wants to do something else. Sometime when you go to the doctor, you pay all that money just to hear the doctor say, go home and what? Sometimes that's what God will tell us. Learn to rest in me. Learn to rest in me. And that's what we talked a little bit about in Matthew 11, last week, verse 28, where he talked about take upon his yoke and he will give you what? Rest. Understand, God never intended you to worry about anything. We do do it because it's the natural thing. But it shouldn't be something that go day after day after day after day. It shouldn't be something that goes from hour to hour to hour. That the moment you catch yourself worrying, you need to follow what Peter says. You cast all your cares on who? Upon him. Who cares for you. But as long as you want to wrestle with him, God will let you wrestle with him. As long as you're not too willing to surrender them and give them to him, he'll allow you to keep them. But we need to learn how to practice very quickly of surrendering that to God. Because it causes us to become unbalanced. It causes us pain within and hurt within. Now, Go with me to Psalm 62. We're just going to camp out there for a little bit. And this is David. And is David during the time in which Absalom has somewhat chased him out of his castle, out of his home, somewhat trying to dethrone David from being king? And this is David speaking now. But David also comes to a point here that he also includes the people. And I, I want you to really catch these words in this song. In God. In God. See, a lot of us will say this. I'm in God. I'm in the Lord. And the Lord says, you serve me with your mouth while your heart is where at? Far from me. So in Christianity, we've learned to say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And I'm going to deal with a little part that Melvin hit on a little bit today in Hebrews 10 that we have a right to come into the Holy of Holies. We don't need anybody else intervening for us. Now, there's nothing wrong with having intercession prayer. There's nothing wrong with having other people pray for you. But the problem with the church is this here. 
we're so fearful of revealing ourselves or speaking truth in the church, even about prayer requests, because we think it will be used against us or it just becomes gossip, that we have taught ourselves not to speak what's really on our hearts. And because we do that with man, and we practice that so much with man, we find ourselves doing it also with God. Did you hear what I said? Because we practice this with man, we find ourselves doing that also with God. That might be one of the reasons why God says over in James 5, confess your faults one to another. And guess what we don't do? Because we've been taught, don't hang our dirty laundry out. And yes, I need to hang my dirty laundry out to let some folks know I need to help with washing my laundry. I need some help cleaning up my life. I need some help getting my life together. So in Psalm 62, he starts off with this statement where we all need to start. My soul finds rest. When you find yourself pacing and you find yourself worried, you find yourself depressed, you find yourself upset over any little thing, where do you find rest? And look what he says. My soul finds rest in God alone. In God alone. Nothing else, nowhere else, can I really find rest. But in God alone. And we have to learn that principle. And he moves on and he says, my salvation or my deliverance comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my foundation. In verse 2, he alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Look, look at that. I'm not going to be frightened. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not nervous about this thing. I'm resting in God. I'm resting in God. That's important to really take hold of. And he's going to repeat it again later on down in this chapter. And then he goes, how long? You take three and four. He's talking about what your enemy want to do to you, what Absalom want to do to him, what the world wants to do to us. And, and, and he's saying, in fact, how long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down? Guess what the world wants to do to every one of us? Throw you down. Not only throw you down, but keep you down. Absalom wanted to throw his father off 
the throne. Absalom wanted to remove David from the position in which God set him. Now understand this. The God of this world wants to remove you from the position in which God has placed you. How long will you assault a man with all of you throw him down? This leaning wall, this piling fence. See, man in and of himself is not very strong. The strong wind come, we, we have to bend a little bit too. We're not just strong enough to stand upright by ourselves. And when trouble comes, we're not capable of standing by ourselves. But somehow, pride jumps in there, and that old song, I'm going to do it my way, really becomes a reality in our life. I'm going to do everything I can do, and somehow we take it to the very brink before we cry out, oh God. We could have turned that thing way back here by going to God. And he says, this leaning wall, that's David. This tottering fence, that's David. And then he moves on into that verse 4. He says, they fully intend to topple him. Do you understand that? People are really out to see you fall. The thing in this life, a lot of people cannot discern who is really for them and who is really against them. If you tell people the truth, you're against them. No, what you're doing is wrong. And I'm just trying to help you see the right way of doing something but that you can really be blessed and really be able to stand. But you're going to do it your way, and most likely what's going to happen, you're going to re-experience all the hurt and the pain that you've gone through before. Because until you do it God's way, I was counseling with a man, and, and I shared with him, I don't care if you get married seven times. Until you do it God's way, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Same thing with a woman. Until you are willing to really do it God's way, it's not going to work. And our whole society is trying to do it all other kinds of ways other than what the book says. Elaine was stunned the other day when a young lady told her, I want to have a baby. And she's been living with this other woman for two years. Now she wants to have a baby. And uh, I've been praying, Lord, how are you going to have me talk to her on that one? 
See, we're trying to do it some other way other than what God, what? Intended. Now, if you do it outside of marriage, even with a man, it's still what? Sin. You can have it done in a medical way, but is it right? You're going to bring a child into confusion. And the whole process is simply this now. Why not separate from this, come to a realization of knowing the Lord. If you could hear this girl sing gospel, if you could really hear this girl sing some of the songs that she's singing to the Lord, you would say, that girl knows the Lord. Because she got a beautiful voice. And sometimes I'm able to hear her singing to herself. And she'll sing when she thinks she's all by herself. But then, so far away from the Lord, but those songs are singing, in a sense. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. There's something inside that is crying for the Lord that somehow has been locked out. Now understand this. Sin will lock God out. Doing it the right way allows God to participate in your life. And he says, Lord, they fully intend to topple me. They fully intend to topple him from the lofty place. They take delight in lies. Some people will deceive you with their mouth to cause you to fall. And those that you think are for you, you finally wake up and see they've been plotting against you all this time. And they'll lie to you. But remember something. Who is the father of lies? Satan. When he can't get you one way, (laughs) he's going to get you through deception and through lies. Because all he wants to do is see you fall from the place God intends you to be. And he says, they fully intend to topple him from the lofty places. They take delight in their lies. With their mouth they bless. Now here's where Christians got to really watch themselves. Don't speak blessing and kindness and encouragement to people and then on the inside you're saying something else. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Or just be quiet. And sometimes it's better just to be quiet until the right moment comes along. 
And the thing that we need to recognize, when we give encouraging words, we mean it. When we tell somebody, you can really do better than this, we mean it. When we tell somebody, hey, this is really the right steps that might need to be taken in this situation, we really mean it. And if they do it, we're going to be the first ones there to help support them and stand with them and to help them accomplish it. We don't say one thing and then curse them from within. Then he comes right back to his first thought. After going through being beat up by the world, beat up by Absalom, being chased out of his home, trying to be dethroned from being king, he comes right back to his very first thought. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. When's the last time you told yourself to find rest in the Lord? See, you're not going to find the rest you need by talking with Pastor Brown. You're not going to find the rest you need by talking to one of the elders or your best friend or this and that. And I'm not saying don't talk. Because that's one of the things we do need to do. Because we've locked too much up on the inside. But when you talk, be assured who you are talking to really care about you. And whatever you say is safe and locked up or forgotten about when you leave. And he says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. He's right back. Only, I, only place where I can really find rest is with God. He is my fortress. And he goes back through that, what he said again in verse 2. He's my fortress, he's my rock. Did give me five more minutes. In verse 8, he includes the people. He says, these two things have to happen. Trust in him in all things. O people, pour out your hearts to him. Two things there. Trust and pour out. What is he asking you to do? Trust him. That's the first thing. What's the second thing? Pour out your heart to him. Lord, this is what I desire. Lord, this is what I want. Lord, this is where I need help. Because we don't pour our hearts out to man, we have taught ourselves to keep it inside. And God is saying, pour it out. Lay it all out. Well, God, you already know everything. Yeah, he does. But he realizes the best thing for you when your stomach is sour and something's going on and sometimes it has to come what? Up and back out. When something's in this mind and it's just going, 
we got to come down and ask. Confession is good for the soul. We even made a song out of it. Just have a little talk with Jesus and everything will be well. <laughs> and he brings us to that point. Those two things. Trust and then talk. And then when you end up, he tells you what the world will do to you. We don't have time to go through it from 9 through 10. He tells you again what the world will do to you. But he also brings out this expression. Whether you're a rich man, poor man, common man, somebody well-known, all type of degree, when it really boils down to it, you put it on the scale, all of us is nothing. All of us is nothing. And then he says, two things I've heard from God that God spoke. One is that God is strong enough to do whatever he wants to do in our lives. You understand that principle? God is strong enough. If I'm willing to pour it out, and I'm willing to really talk to him about it, God is strong enough to do something about it. Second thing, in verse 12, and that you, O Lord, are loving, surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. King James may use the word mercy there in place of loving. But through God's mercy, we see his what? We see his love. And then he says, he is a rewarder. Now understand this principle. None of us deserve a reward. But because of who he is, when we do the right thing and we step out and trust him and we have poured out our soul to him, he rewards us. And the reason a lot of us don't live a victorious life or a life of victory or a life of rewards or a life that God is meeting our needs is because we have taught ourselves to do our thing and not God's thing. And when we turn that around and we trust God and we pour our souls out to him, Lord, I'm lost. I don't know what direction to go. I don't know what steps to take. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what I'm going to do. He will reward you in showing you what is needful for you to do. He rewards us based on our response to him. How we're responding to him. He rewards us. We're not deserving of it. But he really does becomes our fortress. He becomes our protection. And as we saw earlier, he becomes the one who provides for us. Even though there's somebody out here trying to knock you down. God keeps you standing upright. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that, Lord, we can rest in you. 
and have a sense of security in you and safety in you. Minister to us and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
thank you for speaking to us. We need to hear from you. And Lord, we thank you that you really are a rewarder to those who will trust in you and pour out their hearts, their desires, their wants upon you. And Lord, you call us to do that. To find rest in you and the way in which we find rest in you is having that conversation with you about our lives. Not worried about what we have done. It's about what we're going to do. It's not about our past. It's all about our future with you. And if we will have the courage to trust you and believe you and to walk with you. Your promise to us is that, Lord, you will show us mercy. You will show us your loving kindness. You will reward us for believing in you. Resting in you. Lord, we come from a world that causes us all kind of trouble. We have all kind of problems. We have people who are always troubling us. We have people who are holding us back from gaining that which you desire to give us. Lord, today would you somehow speak to each heart, each person. Let them hear from you, not from Pastor Brown, but from you. And assure them, oh God, that you have spoken. And you have spoken through your word. And you have promised unto them and that you are strong enough to deliver what you have promised. If we will be a people who will trust you and walk by faith with you. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our failures. Forgive us from hurting you, not just ourselves, but hurting you. Forgive us, O oh God, for not being obedient. Forgive us for not believing your word. Forgive us for not believing in you, Lord. And saying, only in you do I rest alone. Only in you do I trust alone. Only in you do I give all my love, do I give my life only to you, to you alone. 
Lord, let us not depart from this place being the same person that we were who walked in. But may there be a minute difference in our thinking, in our heart, in our being because we've heard from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. I just want to see your face I just want to love on you I just want to see